know this is a little bit different than what we're used to. But I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm not here. I'm not here for any purpose. And that God gave me a word for this church. Amen. I was praying yesterday. The Lord has been dealing with me about things. Some of you have heard kind of the theme, the mind of God in my life. That, that the Lord has been directing and leading my preaching in. If you were there Tuesday night, talked to people from this church. You kind of know what, what the Lord's been circulating in my mind. And as I was praying yesterday, uh, the Lord had given me a message for my church. And as I was praying about that message, and it was, it was growing and building, and the Lord was putting the pieces of the puzzle together, the Lord began to deal with me that, that I, would, I would preach this here. And... It's not the first time the Lord's given me a word for this church. And, and I, don't, I want you all to know I don't call my dad when the Lord tells me preach it at his church. I, I, I abide by the, the rule that if, if God wants me to preach a word here, he'll open the door for me to preach it. Amen. And so I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just prayed. Thank you, Jesus. Who knows? The Lord opened the door. And... A couple hours later, I laid down to go to sleep. And before I went to sleep, my phone vibrated. And it was from my dad. And he said, can you preach at my church tomorrow night? Which was kind of, <laughs> well, glory. So, well, I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. Amen. I, and, and you know what? I, I told him, I said, I can. Now, what do I need to do about my church? He said, whatever you feel. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians, the third chapter. The reason, the reason I'm preaching right now, there, there's, there's a reason behind it. Number one, um, I feel a great burden to preach this word. It's the only reason that I'm here. Amen. It's the only reason that I'm here. Number two, you're going to need time after I've preached for the Lord to deal with you. Amen. And... The third reason is that what I'm about to preach most often is applicable when routine is interrupted. We, we get in a way, we, we, have our, we have our ministries, we have our schedules, we have our programs, and when somebody disrupts that, we tend to flare, and, and, and we, don't, we don't like those things, they... You know, I, I was I was supposed to be doing this. I was supposed to be doing that. It was, you know, this, that, the other. I, I, I should, anyway, I ain't preaching yet. Amen. And so I figured, felt in the spirit, that it would be a good night to disrupt and then preach the word. Amen. Before I go any further, I do have to announce. Brother River, shake your hand. Wave your hand. You'll see Brother River and Sister Michaela. Amen. We're having a baby shower for them. I don't know when it is. I'm going to have to check my text. Amen. Tomorrow evening before prayer. Yes, 6 o'clock. Thank you so much. Tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock before prayer, come celebrate what the Lord is doing in their lives. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Philippians, the third chapter. Paul would write that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. 
want to know His power. But I need to know His suffering. Being made conformable to His death. I want to preach by the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Let's lift up our hands right now and begin to pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's here. God, I pray that you would move upon us. I already feel a wave of the Holy Ghost right now. God is going to minister to people. God is going to minister to people in this house tonight. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to you. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Oh, God, I want to be good ground for the world. Come on, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? In the name of Jesus, you can be seated. I feel a great burden in my spirit. Amen. Pray that the Lord would help me to convey this tonight. The Oxford Dictionary defines revival in five different ways. It's defined as an improvement in the condition or strength of something. Or as an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. Thirdly, a new production of an old play or similar work. Fourth, a restoration to bodily or mental vigor, to life or consciousness, or to sporting success. I love how sports ended up in revival in the dictionary. Amen. That's our world for you. It's defined as a reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic meetings. The internet would go on further to define the phrase Christian revivalism. It says Christian revivalism is the increased spiritual interest or renewal in the life of a church congregation or society with a local, national, or global effect. The common thing amongst all these definitions is that it is simply taking something that already exists and making it better. It is taking life that is already there and bringing it further to life. It is taking something that had been popular or had been important or had been active and making it more popular or more active or more important or taking a, a play or a work that had had, it had had reputation in its day and now it's been recreated to be reproduced to a different audience in a different time. But the, the, even in Christian revivalism, it's called the renewal of the life of a church or a congregation. Amen. And you may not realize the danger in the definition of revival that you can find all over the internet and all over our world today. But it is most dangerous when you begin to define revival as bringing something out of something that already is. It is dangerous when you begin to define revival as the renewal of life that already exists. Amen. Because the very essence of revival as a word, I'm going to give you a grammar lesson. Words have prefixes, roots, and suffixes. Amen. The word revival is, it it's began with the prefix re, R-E, which means again or anew. It is rooted in V-I-V, viv, which literally means life or alive or lively. And then its suffix is A-L, relating to, it means to relate to the process of or an action. Revival in essence of its prefix, root, 
And suffix means the act of bringing life again. Amen. This may seem elementary to you, but I'm telling you we're going somewhere tonight. Amen. The act of bringing life again. You do not bring life out of life. Revival is not dictated by making life out of life or bringing more life out of something that is already alive. Revival is dictated by there being death. Amen. And, and, and the world, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I, let me tell you something. I feel so many spirits right now. <laughs> oh, in the name of Jesus. Let, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel hell. I feel everything you can imagine. But you know what? There's going to be revelation in this house tonight. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's, amen. The essence of revival is that something must die. Amen. Lazarus was raised. He was revived. It was a revival. But it took death in order for there to be revival. Amen. The definite and irreplaceable beginning of revival is death. Amen. And today, if we've ever needed revival, we need it right now. But if we don't understand what it is and what it consists of, we will not have it in its honest and pure form. We must have revival. We gotta have it in our homes. We gotta have it in our soul. We gotta have it in our churches. We need revival. Amen. Amen. And so, question I posed to many, many, many people yesterday as I studied and prayed is this question. Is revival individual or corporate? Amen. What are you, what are you asking, Brother Motes? Does a church experience revival? If you would say we have a revival church, Right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not attacking you. I'm not, these aren't trick questions. We're just, we're just getting to the truth. We go to a revival church. Man, there's an evangelist coming in and we're going to have revival. Amen. Revival. The church is in revival. Can the church die and be resurrected? What is the church anyway? <laughs> you are the church. Amen. You're a called out group of believers. You, as individuals, make up the corporate body of the church. The church is a body defined. It, it, is, it is connected people. That's what it is. And so if, if a church is to experience revival, it comes on the shoulders of individuals who are personally experiencing revival. Amen. So now we come to yet another, another conception and, and definition of revival. Revival is when sinners come in and pray through the Holy Ghost. That's revival. Well, if that's revival, how do you have revival church if a sinner didn't show up and pray through? How do you have revival church if there's not a first-time visitor or somebody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost? I'm just asking questions, and I'm letting you answer them in your mind. Amen. This is, this, this is where you find information. If revival...
revival is simply a sinner coming in and praying through the Holy Ghost. And, and I believe that is revival. Amen. But if it is just, if it is just that, then what happens like this morning in Amity when everybody there had the Holy Ghost? Do we just, well, we can't have a revival service today. No revival in church today. <laughs> Paul would write to the church at Ephesus and he would say, and you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. And so we find that there are people who are dead in sin. And that is, it is those people, those who are dead in sin that would come in and repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we call that revival. That would mean that revival is one time for one person. And so is that truly revival? Amen. Peter would write in his epistle, he would say, But you, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. Amen. And so we find that Paul is talking about this dead, you who were dead in sins. It was a, it was a state of being past tense. There was a moment in your life where you were dead in sins. But God has quickened you. He's brought you to life. Amen. They have been revived by the Spirit of God. And so can we say, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to get down to, to some things to where we understand where, where we're at and, and what we need to have revival. Because let me tell you something. If you want a problem fixed or, or, or you want to, let me tell you, if you, wanna, if you want a truck fixed, you take it to somebody who knows how it works. Amen. Don't bring it to me. I ain't going to fix it for you. I'm not capable of it. But you take it to a mechanic who knows what it consists of and know how it operates. And they know what to fix and what to move in order to get it to work. Once again, they know what parts need to be replaced. If you want to have something that is operational, you take it to somebody who knows how it operates. Amen. And so if we're going to have revival, it's going to come on the shoulders of people who know how revival operates. You got to know what revival is you've got to know what it consists of amen it's not just coming in and the music getting just right and you moving your feet and doing your little dance let me tell you that's not just revival amen revival oh i feel the holy ghost right now revival is when the people of god find themselves an altar and they mortify they kill the deeds of the body and God, by His Spirit, raises them to life. That is revival. Name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Amen. Revival is individual. And 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 maybe it was a trick question. I've, from from everything that I heard yesterday, thank you to the guys who answered me and and just let me ask questions for hours. Every time they would send an answer, I would send another question. Amen. I was probably annoying the fire out of them. But they were helping me. Amen. Amen. So revival, does it consist? Does it consist of, of people who are dead in sin? Amen. Is that the catalyst for revival? You've got to find people that are dead in sin. You've got to go out. You've got to get the sinner. You've got to bring them in. And that's how you have revival. Well, if being dead in sin was the catalyst for revival... There wouldn't be seven and a half billion people lost in our world today because they're all dead in sin. And if that was the catalyst, if 
That was the catalyst for Holy Ghost revival. The Holy Ghost would be being poured out all over the place. Let me tell you, if being dead in sin was the catalyst to revival, Washington, D.C. would be the most revival place on earth. Amen. But that's not what, it, it's not what fuels revival. It's not what creates revival. Revival is created when people die to sin, not dead in sin, but dead to sin. Now, Brother Motes, how do you say that when a sinner comes in and repents and you said that was revival? Well, I'll tell you how. They came in dead in sin. They go to an altar of repentance. They die to sin. They're baptized in the name of Jesus and they're resurrected by the power of God. That's revival! Amen. And this is where we mistake revival and harvest. Thank you, Brother Aaron Robertson, who's taking care of my church tonight, for giving me this. Amen. Revival is death being resurrected. It is somebody who dies on an altar, dies in a place of prayer, and they're revived. Harvest is when the church goes and finds the dead in sin and convinces them to die to sin. That's harvest. Amen. And so we can say, if you want to say, well, so revival takes death and harvest takes laborers. Because Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. Amen. Let me tell you who those laborers will be. It will be individuals who are experiencing personal revival. Oh, in the name of Jesus. If the blind lead the blind, they're both going in the ditch. <laughs> and so, if we want to experience harvest, amen, we need to experience revival. And it's not enough for the church to be experiencing revival. Because when we say a church is in revival, amen, that's simply that the majority of the people in the church are experiencing personal revival. So every service, they've got the spirit moving. Oh, the church is in revival. I, I, I don't care what the church is doing. I want to know, are you in revival? Amen. Because the church can be in revival and you can die and be lost. Because really, there's no such thing as a church being in revival. It's a bunch of individuals in the same building who have experienced individual revival. And so you can go to a revival church, and if you're not having personal revival, you're dead. Amen. You're, you're, wh whatever you're running around doing, if you're, not, if you're not dying on an altar of repentance, if you're not dying in a place of prayer, you're not part of the revival that's happening. Amen. This is, now I, I, will, I, will, I will say this. When a, a, a majority or a, a group of people, when there's a cell of people in a church, and they are powerfully experiencing individual revival, it does make it easier for other people in the church to experience the individual revival that they're experiencing. That does happen. Spirit gets moving. You ain't felt nothing in a year, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I need to pray. And so up your hands go, and those tears start to flow, and all of a sudden you're speaking in tongues. But what has happened? You've just became a participant in individual revival. Amen. Amen. 
revival. Amen. And so we, we want harvest and, and we want revival. Amen. And, and, and I, I believe in these things. There is an a, a intricate connection between revival and harvest. And, and, and it seems like, like you, can, you can just look at a church that, that there's people and they're, they're in revival. And harvest just happens. How? How does harvest happen? Just because revival is happening. Well, Jesus would say, he would say, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die. It abideth alone. But if it fall in the ground and die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's harvest. Connection between revival and harvest is death. Amen. I didn't figure y'all would run the aisles. Amen. The connection between revival and harvest is death. Amen. The Bible would say, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. That's, not, that, that's, talking, about, that's talking about you'll be lost. If you live in the flesh, if you live after the flesh, if your flesh is alive. I'm not talking about the skin on your bones. I'm talking about the human nature that's rooted inside of you. You were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And the apostle Paul would say, if you live in the flesh, you can just write it down. You're going to die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. Now this is important because I've, I've had people tell me, they say, I prayed that God would just, would just dismantle me and put me back together. Amen. It said, if you through the spirit do mortify God's not out to kill you you've got to kill yourself on an altar of repentance and when you've done the killing he does the reviving amen but you through the power of the spirit you got to mortify the deeds of the body and you'll live amen death is a connection between revival and harvest and that death comes through prayer Man, I asked yesterday, I said, why do we pray? Why do you pray? Had somebody, they, they sent me a whole list. They said, because Jesus prayed. And the apostles prayed. And the church was born in prayer. Okay, I understand that. But Charles G. Finney prayed too. And he preached false doctrine. And nobody was saved. What about our prayer? Why when we pray is there revival? Why when we pray is there harvest? What is it about our prayer? And why do we pray? Finally. Brother Robertson. He said I pray. Because it's where my flesh dies. Okay, how many times, how many times have we looked at FPC? So I don't know how it works, but boy, that prayer works. I don't know how prayer brings revival, but I've seen it work in North Little Rock, so we're going to do it here. I went to Amity. I don't know how prayer brings revival, but we're going to do it because I've seen it work. I don't know how it brings harvest, but I'm going to do it because I've seen it work. Then 
the Lord began to deal with me. Amen. I'm just going to talk for just a little while. I'm going to preach, talk, and, and, and I'm going to pray that this helps somebody. Amen. I've, I've made this statement. Many of you have heard it. I said when I, when I went to pastor, I felt like I knew how to preach. I felt like I knew how to pray. I felt like I knew how to lead people. I really, I, I felt like I had a good start on, on all the development that, that a minister needs from, from this church and from the things that I did here. And I got down there to pastor, and I realized I did not know anything. They do not write a playbook for what happens when you're pastoring. They just don't do it. And, you know, it's easy to preach. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's easy to preach. I mean, I could be up here preaching about Oreos and cheesecake, and y'all would probably shout. Like, it's easy to preach when, when, when a crowd will get behind you. But what do you do? How do you preach when, when, when there's people asleep and, 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 and other people, you know, nobody's involved in what's going on? How, how do you funnel an anointing and really preach a message when nobody's behind you? And so I got down there and I began to try to figure things out. And, and I realized all the things that I didn't know. And I'm still realizing day by day by day all the things that I don't know and that I didn't know. And so I started trying to apply my own brain to it. And I started trying to apply the talents that I had and, and the capabilities that I thought I had. And, and all these things, I, I started trying to do it on my own. And I spun my wheels and spun my wheels and spun my wheels and I would get frustrated and then we would have high church and I'd be on a mountaintop and then I'd spin my wheels and spin my wheels and spin my wheels and I'd be frustrated again and, and I just couldn't figure it out and finally I came to my wits end and I found myself in a prayer meeting where everything inside of me had died and, and I was feeling like a failure and, and, and like I was so flawed God couldn't do anything with me and it was because who I was that the revival wasn't coming to Amity and, and, and it wasn't happening like I wanted it to happen. And in that place, finally, Darren Moats died. And when I died, I felt something begin to change. I felt something begin to change in the church. I felt something begin to change in my preaching. I felt something. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, things started to happen kind of like I wanted them to. And then we, oh, then on a, on a Sunday morning, I was, it, it was, it was right about the point where we were going to start service. And, and I had people out camping, amen, and. And I, I just, let me tell you, help you, pastor, don't camp on Sunday morning. Amen. Just, just leave on Saturday and be back at church on Sunday morning. Amen. Just be here for your pastor. He wants you to be here. Amen. Your attendance matters. You, you may feel like you don't matter, but I promise you matter. Your pastor wants you here. Amen. And, and, and we're about to start service and there's hardly nobody there. And I feel Darren Mode start to come alive. And I'm getting so frustrated. And, and, and I just, I, I just, ooh, die, Darren Motes. Die, Darren. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I could run around this church. Amen. And we began to sing the first song right back. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hey, man, I go right back to where I am every Sunday morning. I'm on that piano and I don't know how it's going to work because I got to play and I got to preach and I got to sing. And we start to play. Oh, in the name of Jesus, 
We start to play that first song, and I see the back door open, and people start streaming through the door. Amen. And just like that, 10 people walked into the church, doubled the crowd that was there. Amen. And, and, and in, that, in that 10 people, Brother Jordan and Sister Haley walk in. Amen. And, and I, I went back to them. I started to talk to them, and, and I made a connection with them. And the Lord started to work on them. And then they, 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 were, in, they were in a valley of decision. Some things were going on. Amen. And, and then they, they come. They come the next week. And still, I done figured out, you know what, this death deal, it works. Amen. And so every day, I'm not praying for revival. I'm not praying for blessing. I'm not praying for finances. I'm praying, Lord, kill Darren Motes today. God, if you can just kill Darren Motes today. God, if you can just kill Darren Motes today. Jesus. Amen. Amen. A few short days later, Jordan and Haley show up at church. Oh, his little sister's with him. First Tuesday night, they were there. I'm not on the piano. I'm sorry for using y'all. I hope I'm not embarrassing y'all. Amen. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. Amen. We love them. Amen. And, and so they come. It's the first service. I'm not on the piano. They've been there. And I, you know what I preach about? I preach about death. Amen. Good revival message. Here we go. You know, it's what everybody needs to hear. And I preach about death. <laughs> Altar call comes. People are praying. We go back there. Jordan. Oh, he, he, oh, in the name of Jesus. He gets a renewing in the Holy Ghost. Tells me, he says, it's been over two years since I spoke in tongues. Haley back there praying in the Holy Ghost. His little sister back there praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said, y'all want to go to Mid-America with me? They, they went from two to three to five. We went to Mid-America with five of them. Amen. And, and oh, let me tell you something. I'm loving what it feels like when Darren Motes dies. Oh, I'm loving what happens in the church when Darren Motes dies. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, can you throw it up there? Who in the days of his flesh, he had offered up prayer and supplication with strong crying and tears unto the one that was able to save him from death. What's he talking about here in Hebrews 5? They're going to throw it up in a second. Jesus in the days of his flesh. Amen. Understand Jesus was, he was all man and he was all God. Just because he was all God doesn't mean that his flesh wasn't going to hurt when he went to that cross. And so in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayer and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death. Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. If it be possible. Let this cup pass from me. What is that? If there's any way to do this without dying, please let it be that way. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And him that was able to save him from death, God, you can do it another way. There is no other way. You have to die. You have to die. 
He was heard in that he feared, though he were a son. Let me tell you, I told Sister Sandra Henley, I started to preach this message 14 months ago in this church on a Sunday night. I made it to my title, He's Heard Your Prayer, and it exploded. You know what? I had all the right information and not the right revelation. I did not understand out of these scriptures what I'm preaching tonight until three weeks ago. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. What are you saying? He was the, he was the water walker. He was more than just a man. I couldn't let y'all sing it. Y'all may have shouted me out. Amen. He was more than just a man. He opened blinded eyes. He fed 5,000. Yeah. Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man. He was a good man. He was a likable guy. Talents, capabilities, powers, miracles, all these things. He was approved by God. But he was not perfect until he died. God, if there's any other way, let it be another way. Saint of God, there is no other way. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There is no other way. Death is the only way. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. After death, he was perfected. And when he was perfected, he became what he was designed to be. Saint of God, you'll never be what God wants you to be until you die. You'll never be perfect. Until you die. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> Come on, there's revelation tonight. There's been three times in my life. Where I felt like I was on the verge of great revelation. One time I was at North Little Rock praying. And I felt like I was right on the verge of the greatest revelation I'd received. Apart from the truth of, of the doctrine. The oneness of God. Salvation. I felt like I was right on the verge of great revelation. And I prayed that night and I never arrived. Another time here in this church I prayed I felt the same feeling. I prayed that I could find that revelation. God, what are you trying to show me? I knew that it was going to change me. I knew it was going to change my ministry. I knew it was going to change my effectiveness. God, what is the revelation? I never received it. A time in my church, I had the same experience. Praying, walking the aisles, feeling like I was right on the verge of the greatest revelation I'd received. And yet again, I didn't attain to it. And then... Last night, after I've been preaching death in my church 
talking to it about everybody, talking to it about it to everybody I know. I'm in prayer last night, preparing. I've preached prayer for two years in my church. And it doesn't feel like it's taken hold like I wanted it to. I've tried to convince. I've tried to persuade. I've tried to... Oh, Jesus, help me. I tried to do it every way I knew how to do it. And it's not worked. Last night I laid in prayer meeting. 740. I'm laying there praying about this morning. And all of a sudden I hear the keypad. And the door opens. Me and my wife are already in there. In walks three people. Praise the Lord. Praying. They start to get into the Holy Ghost. Door opens again. In walk two more people. Bro. We were having crazy prayer meetings. Saturday night, unorganized. I didn't text anybody. I laid in the floor, tears running down my face. The Lord spoke to me. He said, see what I can do when you die? Oh, th this, is finding, this is finding good ground right now. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. This is going to deep places. We had good prayer. I went to sleep and I began to have a dream. I was in a beautiful building. People that I knew began to walk into the building. And I could see I was standing up in the front about where the singers and musicians are sitting tonight. I could see the double doors opening on the church. I could see cars in the parking lot and people were coming in. Beautiful building. They were coming in and there were some people I knew. And then other people I knew that aren't in the church. They began to come in and they was holy. They were separated. They was living it. They began to come in and find their seats. And the usher was attending the door. And every time he would start to shut the door behind one family, he'd have to open it for another. And I could always see that door just opening and closing. And people just kept flowing in and flowing in and flowing in. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And I knew, I knew that God was showing me revival that was coming. Harvest that was coming. These people coming in, I'm telling you, they weren't off the street. God had already done a work in their life, and they were established. Amen. And, and, and in, the, in the dream, when it, when it ended with the beautiful building, in my subconscious state, I remember thinking, well, that's revival, but it's not right now because that's a different building. And it was like in my spirit I heard God sigh. I slipped back into sleep. I began to have another dream. And this time I was in my own building. But it was the same story. The door was open and people were coming in. Brother Bob, was he, was he was attending the door. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. About the time one family would finish coming in, he'd go to shut the door behind them. There'd be footsteps on the other side of the door and he'd have to open it. And they'd come in again. Oh, and there was a joy of the Holy Ghost on them. 
I was seeing it. And as the dream began to... Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you what else. In my subconscious state, I remember thinking, what am I going to do? I've got to preach at my dad's tomorrow night and there's going to be no music. And the people that were coming in, they looked at me like, Pastor, are you crazy? They were like, we've got this. And I realized that it was a whole group of musicians and singers. And God had sent them to the church. And and I didn't have anything to worry about. Because they were just going to go ahead and have church while I was having church with y'all. Amen. Amen. And at the end of the vision, at the end of the dream, the Lord spoke to me. And He said, this isn't because of the building. It's because you're dead. Psalms 116, David would write, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now, you may say I'm reading too far into it, but I've read the chapter over and over. And I can't find anything else that relates to natural physical death where you go in a grave. And I just can't help but believe that the man after God's own heart had a realization. God loves it when I die. God loves it when I get a hold of this flesh. And I kill it on an altar of repentance. Hebrews, I believe it's 12. Speak of a generation of the Israelites. He would say, Who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. They were afraid of dying naturally because they didn't know what came next. They didn't know what happened after they died. Enoch was translated. Elijah translated. Samuel, he died. The worms ate him. David, he's rotten in the grave. What happens to us when we die? So they were afraid. They didn't know what was coming when they passed from life to the unknown. And it terrified them. Today, we have a different problem. We don't know what's going to happen when we pass into complete fleshly death. What's God going to do with me if I really surrender all? What am I going to have to give up if I really get serious about this deal? What's going to happen in my life if I pray the prayer in sincerity? Not my will, but thy will be done. Now this sounds candid, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Before I was married, I was afraid to pray that prayer thinking that I was going to be like the Apostle Paul or something and God wasn't going to let me get married. It's ignorant mess like that that keeps us from praying to die. Through fear of death, we're subject to bondage because we don't know what happens when we die. God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We'll go ahead and preach to some people right now. God, how am I going to have to dress if I really die? What am I going to have to give up? What what, what am I going to have to clean out of my house 
if I really surrender. I'm afraid of dying, y'all. I'm afraid of dying. What's going to happen if I die? <laughs> For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Other translations would say to give you a desired end. God has nothing but good plans for you. But you got to surrender or you're subject to bondage. In the name of Jesus. As they were singing tonight, I'm, I'm almost done preaching. We're going to pray the depths. God has begun to deal in the service. As they were singing, the Lord quickened the scripture to my spirit. And I can't quote it off the top of my head, but I know its essence. It's talking about, it's talking about the princes of this world and Jesus. And it said, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known what was going to come out of him dying, they'd have made sure he didn't die. Oh, yes. And you know what? The devil is a real quick learner. And he done figured out when he killed Jesus, it didn't end well for him. So you know what his, his plan of attack is now? It's to make sure you don't die. Because he's already figured out what happens when the saints begin dying. He's already figured out, when I killed Jesus Christ, I thought, I thought I had won. Then that spirit of God began to move on that dead body. And all of a sudden, there was revival. But, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. But it didn't just end with Jesus. Because then he came up out of that grave, and he told him, you go to Jerusalem and you wait. And, and, and repentance and remission of sins. What is this? Jesus, I, I've, I've died. I, Jesus has died. And he says, now, now here's what I need you to go preach. You go preach death and burial at Jerusalem. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Beginning at Jerusalem, it's among all nations. Satan learned from that one mistake. What happens when a God-called individual dies? Now, now today, he slipped in. He, oh, don't, you, you just, just, just pray a little bit. Just, just pray a little bit tonight, but don't go all the way. It's fine if you just pray a little bit. You just get you a little, get you a little touch, get you a little flow. Get to where you, you start, the Spirit of the Lord is there. You get to feel that liberty just a little bit, but don't go all the way. No, 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 you, you may end up preaching if you do that. Oh, bless the Lord. <laughs> you better believe I ain't going all the way. I ain't going to preach. Or maybe it's the opposite. If you really surrender, you may, God may never use you to preach. And so we, we live half alive, praying for revival. God don't revive things that are alive. He revives things that are dead. Oh, in the name of Jesus.
And so you've lived your whole life. You've lived your whole life. You died one time. You died just enough to get the Holy Ghost. And every moment past that, it's been, I'll go a little bit. But I ain't going all the way. Because I don't know what may happen. I mean, what if God calls me the mission field? No air conditioner. No running water. No, I'll surrender. God, I'll teach Bible studies, Lord, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retain my life just a little bit. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death. Now, I'm, I'm almost done. They put beautiful crosses atop churches. They make them out of the prettiest wood, stained perfectly. They take scarlet and purple cloth, and they drape it over the cross. They take a perfectly formed crown of thorns that they use leather gloves to make on top of the cross. Look at the beauty of Calvary. Yeah, every contemporary artist today, I need a Holy Ghost down in my soul. Come, Holy Ghost. Fill us with your spirit, God. It's beautiful. Revival is beautiful. No. Calvary. You hear me? It was a man beaten beyond recognition. Thorns crushed into his skull. Hamburger meat on his back. Not, not painted hanging there beautifully with a perfectly white linen towel draped around his midsection. No, he was naked and humiliated. There was blood and urine and vinegar, everything you can imagine. It was the worst scene ever that produced perfection. Let me tell you, this pretty stuff ain't where it happens. I'm, 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 not, I'm not coming for you. I'm not attacking you. I'm teaching you some things that God has taught me. Come on, let's make this place a prayer meeting. Oh. Come on, I need some people to pray right now. I need some people to pray right now. Come on, it's time for you to go all the way. 
It's time for you to go all the way. Come on, saint of God. Come on, saint of God. Come on, it's time to die. It's time to die. Come on, it's time to die. Oh, it's time to surrender everything. Oh, Come on, young people, pray right now. Come on. Come on, pray right now. Come on. It's time to pray. Oh. Come on, there's nothing as miserable as being alive knowing you missed your calling. Come on. Come on, young person, pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Oh, yadabosh, Come on, commit that relationship to God. Come on. Pray, pray, pray. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.